Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Chad, you alluded to this a little earlier, um, but sports is the only profession where people pay really good money to come sit around and tell you how bad you suck. <laughs> yep. No other profession is like it. Can you imagine? You know, you're at Starbucks. You call that a latte, Susan? It's supposed to be foamy. Get your head out of your ass. <laughs> Bread on top of my bag, Mr. Bagger. Or even like spectator stuff. Like you, you go to see your favorite band yep. and you just boo the whole time. <laughs> Doesn't, no. You call that a guitar solo slash? You suck! Life doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. Right. Okay, only in sports. And only in sports can a man who is beloved in your town for 10 years, longer than the average marriage, who gave you hope every year, lasting memories of triumph you shared with your loved ones. Your kids grew up watching him. They wore his number on their backs. Posters of him were all over their walls. And when you talked to your friends, you talked about how this guy was the kind of sports hero you wished your daughter would marry. A man of faith and integrity, a man of principle, a man of extreme talent and determination, a man of boo, you suck, Russell. Russell Wilson, a hero in Seattle for 10 years, is set to return to Seattle Monday night and in true form and unleashed by Pete Carroll. The sports fans there are gearing up to boo his ass back to Denver like none of those 10 years ever happened. Spite. Mm -hmm. Spite is a hell of a drug and it's going to be frothing from the corners of the 12th man's mouth, Chad. Monday night, but spite works both ways. For the fan, it, it fuels their belligerence. For the player, it fuels his resolve. For the player, it spurns you on to a new town to take another crack at being a hero. Allows you to claim at the age of 33 that you want to play for 10 to 12 more years and become the best of all time. Spite. Allows you to sleep for only four hours each night, Chad. And every minute you are awake, it fuels your process to leave no stone unturned. It drips from every polished, cliche answer to every gotcha question. It takes you to the mountaintop, Chad. It turns a man into a goat. Mm. Spite is a hell of a drug. Ooh. Well said. Well said. Uh, spite, though, is a temporary drug. It's a temporary drug. And I, and I say that uh, because those fans, while they may be upset uh, now, once Russ retires, he will be welcomed back to Seattle with absolute open arms. And they will be excited to see him, and he'll be chased through the mall like the Beatles. Uh, and for Russ, even though he may be driven by spite now, uh, eventually those feelings will go away. And there will be some Seahawks reunion, and he will hug it out with Pete Carroll and John Snyder and reminisce about all the great times that they had together. Um, spite, is, it very rarely lasts forever. Um, I know you got your Josh McDaniels feelings. Um, no, no, I've, I've actually let go of those. Okay. Um, I think he's a turd burglar, but <laughs> I actually have no spite towards him. Anymore. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Bill Belichick and I have hugged it out several times since the, since my release. Was he eating grapes when you hugged it out? No, he wasn't eating grapes in the cafeteria when we hugged it out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Absolutely. as you yeah, as you move on, time, as the cliche says, heals wounds. Maybe not all wounds, but it heals most wounds. And you learn to either, you know, put a little scar tissue over that and deal with it, or you just let it go. It's too, just too heavy of a burden to carry with you. But temporarily, 
spike can be a tremendous motivator. And fans are almost always um, propelled by spite when a former player comes back in in a different color jersey and they've got to let him know how much he sucks and how bad he was. Do you think if Russell Wilson walked through a mall in Seattle right now, he would be booed? Or he w- would he be treated like a hero that, that he used to be there? Like, is it only really on the field, on game day, when it's like us against them, and now you're part of them? Now we boo you. But if you were just walking down the street, like, would he still get booed by people on the street? I don't think so. It wouldn't always be a super positive reaction. Um, but no, he would not be booed. It would be contextual booing. In the context of you're wearing a Bronco jersey, therefore I have to boo you. You're the enemy. I love you, and I can't. I can't wait to. Hopefully, I can bump into you, and my kids can get an autograph in five years once you or ten years once you retire. But for now, you are the enemy, and I am driven and propelled by spite to let you know how much you suck and how much I hate you. Does your gut gut tell you, Chad, that Russell Wilson is going to win a Super Bowl with the Broncos? It does. It does. Um, the Driven nature of Russell Wilson, the rising tide that lifts all boats kind of thing. Um, we've said for a couple of years here, you know, the Broncos are just a quarterback away. I think it's more than that. Um, but George Payton's doing a good job showing up this roster. It's a perful, perfect storm of circumstances with uh, the most deep-pocketed owner in professional sports, a GM who seems to have things figured out, a quarterback who still is young enough to be able to put a, a window together of Super Bowl possibilities, who's also got experience with him, uh, a salary cap that has grown enough that can accommodate his number, plus bring other guys in. Uh, they're in a really good situation where uh, if they were, if this Russell Wilson time were to end and there was not to be a Super Bowl victory, it would be disappointing. And it wouldn't be like pie in the sky, oh, I wish we would have gotten one. No, you have a tremendous opportunity because all these things are lining up perfectly for you. Well, all that you just laid out was was really, you know, uh, something that's hopeful for Broncos fans. The, the GM, the owner, the quarterback, the, the the room to maneuver. But what about the other teams you have to play? What about the Chiefs? What about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid? They've got something cooking over there, don't they? Well, you know, I, we, I always get into this, and it's, you know, we talk positive about the Broncos, and I always have to say, well, your improvement's never in a vacuum. Because Justin Herbert... And Patrick Mahomes, they probably want to play another 10 or 12 years too, don't they? Or they maybe do. more. Right. And who knows what Derek Carr's goals are. Um, and Josh McDaniels is invigorated by, you know, a new head coaching opportunity. Uh, they got a new stadium in Las Vegas they want to fill. They got an owner who wants to do great things. So all these teams, just within the AFC West, want to do and have the opportunity and have the personnel in some key spots to go out and do great things. Uh, the Broncos lost 13 times in a row to the Chiefs. Is this the year where they finally break that streak? Um, you got to do that first before you start proclaiming yourself Super Bowl or bust. You got to win your division. You don't have to, but it makes it much easier when you do that. Um, so, yeah, your improvement is never by yourself. It's always in relative comparison to teams within your division, teams within your conference, and then teams across the NFL. Um, but I still think, despite the Great quarterback play, uh, may be the greatest quarterback division of all time. The Super Bowl window probably doesn't open this year for the Broncos, but maybe next year. And there's three or four years after that where they will have a strong possibility from a personnel, coaching, management, ownership standpoint. All right, so what do you make of this text from uh, 541890? 
it doesn't matter what motivates Wilson. He can't play his style anymore. Like Michael Vick, he's going to lose his legs. Uh, and without an all-time great defense, he will be exposed. He's not a rhythm quarterback like Brady or Breeze and can't play his style. Broncos will not get to a Super Bowl in the AFC. And then, and then this person lists the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Titans. No shot. That's I won't what say, they say. No shot. I won't go with no shot. But obviously, the AFC's got some really good football teams. And the article um, that we've been talking about for the last two days, I think it does open up some skepticism and some doubt. In, and, in, what, in what way? Uh, w- when they talk about some of these plays that, that Russ had out there because his desire was to you know, polished up his MVP status rather than, than winning the game and taking what the defense was giving him. And you believe that? Um, that he wasn't just trying to make a play because that's what football players do. They try to make a play. Right. But is, was your motivation for making the play? To, to score a touchdown and win the football game. In the words of Bill Belichick, don't make a play. Make the right play. And there's a right play in every situation. And that's... Well, Bill, uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off... On considering Bill Belichick's words gospel until he does something without Tom Brady. Fair All enough. Right. That's fair enough. But I think that statement still stands because you've been in locker rooms, you've been in film sessions, and the coach says, What are you doing here? Right. And the player in the film session says, Well, you know, coach, I was trying to make a play. And it's the perfect answer to that statement that when players say that, No, don't make a play, make the right play. And so, but isn't that like? Uh, I'm sorry to jump on you. No, that's fine. But isn't that a response to a play that just didn't go right? Like, what if you do make the play? Is he going to be like, you shouldn't have made that play? You should have made a different play that wasn't as good. Like, of course, the guy has to believe he can make the special play and try it. And if it doesn't work, oh well. But we want to put the right guys on the field, obviously, who you know are able to execute our system. But it's, at some point, you want to unleash these guys, right, and let them try to make the special play. Football's not basketball. Basketball's free flowing. And your shooter feels hot. Well, then go ahead and shoot. You're 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 killing it from behind the arc. Football, there's a structure to it, and sometimes you just got to take as a quarterback in offense what the defense gives you. And in your desire to make a play, you're trying to go outside the playbook. You're trying to push things a little bit too far. If there's a 12 yard crossing route, but you're trying to get to a 20 yard you know bomb down the field. Just take the 12-yard crossing round, man. The defense is giving that to you. Don't force the issue. Just take what they're giving you. Now, there are times in the games where, yeah, it's third down. I need you to force this ball in there to our best player because we critically need this first down. But other than that, sometimes just live to fight another play, man. Take it if they're giving it to you. Do the check down. Pick up seven yards. Move the chains. And let's keep rolling. Or chuck it deep, score a touchdown, and we're all heroes. Uh, but that that's lower percentage football than taking what the defense gives you. And that's where the difference in philosophy comes in. And that's what Pete was trying to get Russell Wilson to do. And I think Nathaniel Hackett's also going to try to rein in some of that as well. He taught Aaron Rodgers that to back-to-back MVPs. He made him better. The hope is Russell Wilson can buy into the teaching and become better as well. Back-to-back MVPs, but would they win? Nada. Nada. Let's ask Troy Rank about this. He's going to join us next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. We welcome in Troy Rank. 
of Denver 7. Joining us, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. Troy, it is Guilty Pleasure Friday. We're playing Guilty Pleasure songs. We're talking about Guilty Pleasure food items. You got any Guilty Pleasure food items that you go to when you, uh, well, just want to taste something yummy? Yeah, my one addiction is Chewy Sprees and Lemon Heads. I can eat those all day, every day, until my teeth hurt. So I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure as much as an addiction. How's your dentist like that? Yeah, he's he's pretty much put one of his kids through college on my last dental visit. So. All right, well, so this matchup on Monday night in Seattle, the average American marriage lasts 8.2 years. Russell was in Seattle for 10. Um, they broke up. They're getting back together on Monday. Who do you see has – who's the scorned lover there, and who has the emotional advantage in this game? Well, Seattle, the way they've handled this, to me, reflects a lack of confidence when you treat the greatest quarterback in your franchise history the way they've disseminated information through national stories about how he's a declining player, lacks mobility. We were looking to trade him long before. We didn't feel like he deserved a big contract a little unbecoming for someone of that stature. Uh, for me, the easiest thing would have been for them to just say, hey, you know, he's a great player here. We won a lot of games. We won a title. We can't wait to compete, settle on the field. Where Pete Carroll basically encouraged the fans to boo him. To me, that reflects a lack of confidence in your own team, frankly. Uh, so I think the Broncos have an advantage because they're a better team. And in most cases on Sunday, Nate, the team with the best quarterback wins. The Broncos have the best quarterback. It's not even a question. And Wilson has an ability to play his best when it matters most. He's 19-4 and four in primetime games in Seattle. He was obviously with the Seahawks. He is undefeated in his last three September games with uh, or openers with 10 touchdowns, no picks. His last 10 September games, he's 7-3 and three with 29 touchdowns and one pick. So I would say the Broncos have an advantage because Russell Wilson, and I used to tell kids when I would coach him this, the key is you want to play with emotion, but you don't want to be emotional. He has an ability to do that, so I would give him an advantage in this setting. Troy, uh, Pete Carroll's one of the more uh, experienced coaches in the league uh, versus Nathaniel Hackett, first-year head coach. How do you uh, think Coach Hackett will do out there compared to Pete, who's obviously been through many wars? Yeah, it's a great question because Nathaniel Hackett has to prove it. I, what I like in preseason is that the stage didn't seem too big for him. You know, when, when Fangio got here, and I, I appreciate Vic Fangio's knowledge of defensive football. It's unbelievable. It's encyclopedic in how he knows football. But he was already like, I don't know where I'm going to stand. I don't like being down on the field. I'd prefer to be up top. Like, he never felt, for me, comfortable as a head coach. I watched Hackett closely on multiple preseason games, and – He's behind the line of scrimmage. He's looking. There doesn't seem to be panic. He's communicating with offensive and defensive players. And every time we bring up the idea, like, it's your first game as a head coach, he kind of looks at it like, I've been doing this a long time. Like, I'm ready. If you prepare, you have confidence. This is the moment's not going to be too big. Now, we got to see it. Listen, but I'm not as concerned as I was before training camp and before the preseason after watching his game day operation. Pete Carroll has an advantage given his experience. And they play well in that stadium, and it's going to be loud, and that's going to be one of their best assets is that crowd. But Pete Carroll isn't known as a strategist, per se. He's, he's an energy guy, and so is Nathaniel Hackett. They're, I mean, I don't know how Hackett will look as a strategist on game day yet, but Pete isn't known as that. He's a guy who's just incredibly positive, who lights players up. They, they want to play hard for him, but 
he, they still run a bit of an archaic offense, and he doesn't have the defensive personnel that he did four, five, six years ago when they were dominating the league. So when you look at this Broncos offense, obviously Russell Wilson, the addition of him makes you as an offensive coordinator lick your chops. He, Nathaniel Hackett has talked about a vertical attack that he wants to implement. He's going to go deep. You got Cortland Sutton, who is a big play maker. Uh, there are only a couple of receivers in the AFC who have more big plays over the last five years or, or four years than Cortland Sutton. But then you got a couple of running backs who are ready to roll. Both of them had over 900 yards last year. How do you see this offense um, creating balance? And do you think Nathaniel Hackett will be able to uh, re- resist the temptation to let Russ cook right off the bat? I mean, they want to run the football. I mean, when you look at Seattle, they ranked like 15th against the run last year. They had their own issues. The Broncos were a little better, but that was a deceiving because of the fact that, you know, the Broncos could not stop the run and get off the field against the Cleveland Browns, the Raiders, the Eagles. I mean, there were multiple games where they literally got walked off, run off the field. Seattle has similar issues, but their pass defense is even worse. So, Nate, I would expect them to establish the run early to set up play action. Because of the fact, and you guys both played, you know this, nothing takes the crowd out of a game more and snatches their soul and makes them swallow their tongues faster than a run game that just chunks yardage. Because you, you just sit on your hands. It's like baseball when a team doesn't hit. The crowd has nothing to cheer. If another team is running the football and imposing its will, it really mutes the crowd. So I would expect them to run the football, to establish play action, to then let Russ go. Because I, I would guess despite everything that's been done at Russ's compound in Seattle and through OTAs and everything, I would think the pass game is going to be a little clunky in the first half. That's where you establish the run, and then you put the game away, almost like Buffalo did last night. You put the game away with the passing game in the second half. With the reports that Billy Turner was conditioning off on the side field while uh, the team, rest of the team was warming up and getting ready for practice, uh, doesn't make it feel like Billy Turner is going to be uh, available, or if he is, not for uh, the entire ball game. Uh, I would assume Calvin Anderson will be the plan at right tackle if Billy Turner is not available. And how much of a uh, point of uh, concern does that make for you? Listen, they need Billy Turner, but if he's not ready, they cannot. You can't force a guy to get healthier based on the calendar and your schedule. I mean, guys have to heal on their own time. I used to learn this about baseball all the time, that you just can't say, well, this guy's out. Well, now that guy's got to come back faster. Well, his body doesn't heal differently because someone else got hurt. And if he's not ready, it would hurt. I'm not going to lie because Calvin Anderson had his struggles the last couple weeks of camp, really starting with that week of the Cowboys joint practices. And they didn't reflect confidence in him. They put him out there in preseason games. Cam Fleming started getting some reps, but – if Billy Turner can't go, Calvin Anderson would start is my, you know, my belief based on the way it sits right now. And they would need him to be functional. He's played well in a couple of games, uh, so it's not like he's never done this, but it would hurt without Billy Turner because he knows the offense. He's a calming influence. He's just got a different vibe about him where there's no panic in his game. And so it would hurt, but it would hurt more if you push him out there and then he hurts his knee and now he's out six weeks. So you have to balance that, and I don't know yet with Turner. And I would say right now it's totally up in the air whether he's able to go. Because, they, Chad, they want him to start and play. They don't want to have him on a play count. So it's basically like, can you go and play the whole game? And if you can't, maybe it would be better to wait a week. All right, Troy, we're not going to talk to you before the game after this, so do you have a prediction for the way it's going to turn out? 
Yeah, I think it's just going to be a little clumsy in that first half, not unlike we saw last night where there's going to be a few penalties. You're talking about a Broncos team that has starters have not played together a single snap in the preseason. So it would be naive to think they're just going to come out and it's going to be uh, smooth. There's going to be issues. The difference is you have a margin for error with Seattle because Seattle's going to try to win like Denver tried to win under Fangio. Take care of the ball, take no chances, and win a low-scoring game, 2017, 17-14. So I believe it is going to be a little, you know, a bit of a grind early. You're going to see them, you know, they're going to try to put Rashad Penny out there and focus him. Uh, and if Denver stops the run, that's the key. But it's going to be a grind-out game in the first half. I would think in the second half, I believe Denver will get a couple of touchdowns in the passing game, and they'll win 27-14, something of that nature, 27-13, that they'll win in the fourth quarter because they will have slowed Penny on the ground. They will force Seattle to pass, and that's not a comfortable position for them to be in, especially on third and long. Hope you're right, Troy. Thanks for joining us, buddy. You got it, my guy. Take care. See you. That was Troy Rank at Denver 7, presented by ROX Rocks Heating and Air. All right, there was a lot of drama this week, Chad, between Russ and Seattle, and that ESPN article came out. Do you think it was a coinky-dink that it dropped this week? No way. Not at all. Pete Carroll, he had a chance to tamp it down. Did he do it? We'll talk about that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. She's simply awesome. It's awesome, Chad. Awesome. She's Billy Ocean. Cheer campaign number day number 192. A lot of, a lot of good number 92s out there. A up. ton. I wonder if 92 has the most Hall of Famers of any NFL number. No way. Reggie White, Hall yeah. of Famer. Yeah. Michael Strahan. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Richard Seymour. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Gabriel Landeskog. Landy, oh Landy. Maybe he'll be a Hall of Famer in a different sport. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Yes, he is. James Harrison, Hall of Very, Very Good. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer, James Harrison? No. Why not? Ah, uh, that's a good question. He's he, pretty good for a long time. He was pretty good. He had a decent run for a fair, fair period of time. And they had that play in the Super Bowl at the end of the first half. Yep. Remember that one? Won the Super Bowl. Had an iconic play in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Played for an iconic franchise. Yep. Any other 92s? Uh, Ted Washington, one of the bigger defensive linemen ever to play the game. What about Hello, Elvis Doomerville? There we go. Another really good number 92. Albert Hainsworth. Great Broncos. Stole a bunch of money. Good for him. What do you mean? From you? No. From... Uh, Oh, just by, yeah, yeah, just by signing a contract you didn't see through? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't actually steal money. No, no. He didn't you don't have any information. You're not, you, he just, you're not breaking he held the story. Daniel here. Snyder. Okay. Yes, yeah, for 50 million bucks. And do people feel bad when Di- Daniel Snyder gets raked over the coals? No, they don't, but they, you know, still, I like players to, you know, not steal money. Bothers me. You like players to earn their contract. There you go. What is the 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 most prime instance of a player getting a huge contract and not earning it? Uh, Hainsworth was certainly fit in that category. Yeah. Um, Jamarcus Russell, um, although he had his <clears throat> he told his story uh, a couple months back. Um, you know, there's definitely some sympathy there for him. Same time, you know, your drug addiction issues. Don't just you know give you a complete grace pass. No, um, but maybe Hainsworth is the all-time stealer. Yep. Well, um, Pete Carroll 
had the opportunity this week to kind of tamp down any of the drama after this article came out in ESPN about the split. And the question has been, are you going to boo him or are you going to cheer him? This guy who's brought who brought you a Super Bowl victory, two Super Bowl appearances, 10 wins every single season. This dude who gave you his all, are you going to boo him or are you going to cheer him? Pete Carroll answered that yesterday. He answered it. I promise. He did. And you believe on that. I mean, I'm not going to be involved with that kind of opportunity to react, you know, so I'm, I'm not, I don't have to make that decision. I don't, I don't see what happens, but I don't think that was the 12th. I think they'll know exactly what to do. Yeah, they'll know what to do, right? So so Pete Carroll's obviously gassing these, these fans up to boo this man because he's got a game to win. Yep. Right? And so do, do you really expect him to have, like, the Russell Wilson – like celebration fest and to tell everyone to cheer this guy and all the memories that he's brought. I mean, doesn't he understand that probably boos are going to be more effective for his team? I think Pete does. And this release to this article, um, that's not the timing's not uh, accidental there. The fact that so many Seahawks folks uh, participated, you know, mostly anonymously in this article, uh, that's not an accident. Yeah, they're trying to take the narrative, make themselves a little bit more sympathetic and correct. And then also use some of this uh, conversation, controversy, um, to hopefully drive their fans a little uh, crazier than what they are normally and make life difficult for Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense. Do you think behind closed doors, Russell, I'm sorry, Pete Carroll is delivering a different message to his team? How, how do you think he's dealing with this in front of his team? In the media, it's a different story, right? Of course, you got to answer questions. But how does, how is, Pete Carroll preparing his Seattle Seahawks team for this game. Is it just another game or is there something to it? Because he brought Richard Sherman in this week to talk to the team. Is that a coinky dink? Pete always brings somebody in. He's always got great speakers. That's so it has, it's no coincidence that the guy he brings in is, was Russell Wilson's nemesis on the team. Uh, there could be, but Pete always brings speakers in and they're always, uh, there's usually not just, uh, oh, this is guys available. There's some kind of tie to this particular week's game. Do you think Richard Sherman said the words Russell Wilson while he was talking to the team? I'm sure he did. In what context? Um, you guys got to cheer him and respect the effort that he did and the great player that he is and really you know, shake his hand after the game and that kind of thing? Well, I'm sure he mentioned defensively when you're playing Russ. This, we all know what Russ is going to do. He's going to try to buy time. He's going to try to escape the pocket. He's going to try to extend plays. Um, so I'm sure Pete and Richard Sherman mentioned, we know Russ. We know what he's going to try to do out there. He's not suddenly going to show up here and be a different quarterback. You know, different system, different scheme. But Russell Wilson's still going to be the same guy. And because it's Russell Wilson, you got to look out for this, look out for this, be prepared for this, and be prepared for that. That's a scouting report of some sorts. So at the end of 2020, and part of this ESPN article detailed his sort of uh, ill-fated MVP run in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he started off real hot and then went through a, a rough spell at the end of the season and went 1-3 and three during a stretch of four games. Okay, and then you add that stretch at the end of 2020 to 2021, in which he went 6-8, and eight, and his stats basically mirrored Teddy Bridgewater's, who went 7-7. Seven and seven. Do you think there's now become a book on how to beat Russell Wilson? You just talked about Richard Sherman. Hey, everybody knows how to beat Russell. Everyone knows what he's going to do. Are people catching up to it? Uh, catching up to it. Um, I won't say catching up because it's not <clears throat> like when people catch up to things. 
okay, the Pete Carroll uh, cover three defense. People caught up to that. Cover three, that's what every high school defense runs. You don't catch up to cover three. You just throw quick passes. It's it's off coverage, right? How right. hard is that? Like, who thinks that's complicated? But for a while, the Legion of Boom, because they had such dynamic players out there, were able to make the, the, that cover three the new in vogue defense. And then offenses came up with enough answers to it. And if you didn't have Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor, and, and Cliff Averill, and Michael Bennett, then no, you couldn't replicate the Seahawks' success in that. So catch-up may not necessarily be the right word, but offenses and offensive coordinators spend enough time in the offseason coming up with schemes that will work against this. And during that time, also your skill set of your players on the field are beginning to decline if you're the Seahawks. Right. And that eventually people have caught up to your scheme, your version of cover three. Um, cover three is still going to be called, you know, I don't know, 15% of the time here on, on Sunday by NFL teams. It's, so, it's still a staple of NFL defenses. Has the league caught up to Russell Wilson? I don't think so. Russell Wilson was obviously injured last year. Um, Russell Wilson went through a, a, a... He went six and eight. I hate when people say, oh, he's injured, and that affects his win-loss. When he's on the field, everybody's injured, right, Chad? Everyone's dealing with an injury. I understand that he hurt his finger, yeah. and it's his throwing hand, and he came back maybe earlier than they thought he should, but doesn't every single player go through that same process where they give us a timeline, a lot of them come back early, and they get out on the field, and he's, it's your performance that they base the interpretation of you on not not whether or not you got hurt and, and there's no caveats and no asterisks but do you win or you lose but there's context there's context i understand then we have to add context to everyone else on the field who's dealing with an injury the quarterback with a finger injury that's more contextual than an offensive lineman with an elbow injury mm. i will say that so you know it, it's the league, I don't think, has caught up to Russell Wilson. Are Russell's Wilson's skills declining as he get older? Oh, every player goes through that. Um, but the league has not caught up. He's not suddenly going to everyone who we, the Broncos play is going to have all these answers for what Russell Wilson tries to do. But to Richard Sherman's point, to Pete Carroll's point, we've defended Russell Wilson in practice and shut him down. I've seen it with my own eyes. I was a part of those defenses during that training camp when I was there when they completely shut down Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. So there's a certain confidence that they know what he does and how to stop him. Pete Carroll knows what's coming. Mm -hmm. He knows what's coming, and that's why he's trying to get the 12th man gassed up because he knows he's going to need every one of them to try to beat Russell Wilson. There are a lot of other games going on this weekend, some intriguing matchups across the NFL in opening uh, week. We're going to talk about some of those matchups next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Question for the Seattle Seahawks fans is do you believe in life after love? I know Russell does. I know that's why he's here. And I know that's why he wants to play another 10 or 12 years. We're going to see what happens on Monday night. It's going to be really, really interesting. All the intrigue, all the drama, all the speculation. It's going to get answered. That's one of the, one of the great things about sports, Chad, as opposed to other kind of conversational pieces of society. You're going to get an answer. You always get an answer. Yeah. And the game's going to get played, and then some people are going to be right. Some people are going to be wrong, but we're going to have some evidence in front of us. And uh, that's a beautiful thing. 
I think that's the best part of sports is, uh, at least from a media perspective, uh, you, you get to talk about it all week and then get a chance to see who's right, who's wrong, who's correct. Uh, there's just so many different angles to take on this thing. And not, not all the answers will be available after one week, but, uh, the, you know, the the camp hack it. Is that good enough? Is this team going to be hit the ground running? Are they um, going to be able to hack it? Are they literally going to be able to hack it? Is um, George Payton's, uh, you know, uh, going after Randy Gregory? Was that a good move? Um, for a guy who hasn't been healthy and has had some suspension issues, can he keep his you know nose clean and can he um, stay healthy and play all seventeen games? You know, there's all these questions will be answered. Football is the ultimate: did you get it done game? Did you score or did you not? Did you sack the quarterback or did you not? Did you win the game or did you not? And the answers will come, and I'm looking forward to seeing those answers and hopeful about what those answers will be. Part of the reason why the NFL is so powerful and so interesting and so profitable is because they have marketed the process in a way that makes the product so much more intriguing. Like, we follow the NFL all year round, um, and so the draft, that's that's the product, (laughs) even though it's just part of the process, right? Um, Mini camps, joint practices, training camp, that's the process, but we view it as the product. Well, the game is really what you get judged on. The game is the product. The games are happening this weekend. All right, so there's some other intriguing games, Chad, going on in the NFL, Um, and I want to know which one you're most interested in watching. We got the Saints at the Falcons. We got the Browns at the Panthers. That's the Baker Mayfield revenge game. 49ers are in Chicago. The Steelers with a, a matchup on the road versus the Bengals in a in a you know an AFC North matchup that's always pretty intriguing. The Eagles are at the Lions. I know that a lot of people, myself included, fell in love with this Detroit Lions team watching Hard Knocks. How can you not <laughs> like those guys? How can you not like Dan Campbell and what they're doing there? That should be interesting. Uh, the Colts are on the road against the Texans. Everyone thinks the Texans are going to be a doormat again this year. I don't know about that. That's going to be interesting to watch if Davis Mills is a quarterback they can lean on. He's You're not. shaking your head. Why? He's not. How do you know that? I, I, I called I a, a, a Texas game last year. He's just, no. But but doesn't it matter the pieces around you? Don't those matter? They do. They do. I just don't think Davis Mills has the... His uh, neck friend, is too long? The, <laughs> there's something off there. Yeah. I'd hate to be Davis Mills with a sore throat, though. <laughs> you know, it's that a lot of good. sore. It's a yeah. lot of sore. All right, we got the Patriots at the Dolphins. Mike mm-hmm. McDaniel's first matchup yep. against... Bill Belichick, how do you see that going? Oh, man, that's going to be a good one. I, we we just don't know about some of these teams. Week one is such a, a, a crapshoot. Um, I think that's going to be a good game. Uh, when I was doing my fan pick them, I spent some time just kind of thinking about that one, and I still may change my pick on that particular game because I could see it going either way. Um, I think maybe the most intriguing matchup for me personally outside of my game, which is San Francisco at Chicago, the Trey Lance-Justin Fields Bowl, mm. um, to see which of those guys is actually uh, going to be uh, the better quarterback to start the season. Do you really think that the, that's going to be a reflection of which quarterback is better? I mean, the, te- the 49er team is clearly a better team. They were in the NFC Championship game last year. They will. They, they, have, a, they have a really, really good defense. They mm-hmm. have a really good running game, and I don't think the same could be said of the Bears. So is that fair to match them up head-to-head head like that? Well, that's how the game is being touted. You know, when we talk about right all that explanation you just gave, you don't do that in an open. In the open, you say, hey, it's Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. They're sword fighting on the 50-yard line. Tune in. It's going to be great. We're going to measure their muscles. 
Yes. So the quarterbacks will be the lead story. And then as the game goes along, then I'll be able to provide all that context that you just gave right there. Okay. Um, but for me, maybe Vegas and Los Angeles is the most mm. uh, intriguing matchup of the weekend just because we know this is going to be an incredibly competitive division. And we're assuming all these quarterbacks, Carr, uh, Herbert, and Mahomes, were all going to continue to play well. And this will be the best quarterback division of all time. So uh, considering that's going to be a head-to-head matchup there, um, teams who played late last year trying to determine a playoff game, playoff berth for, for between the two of them. We'll see if uh, their their new coach for the Raiders, if their old coach for the Chargers, those guys have somehow gotten better than what they were before. And we'll see these quarterbacks match up. We'll see these GM moves. Um, the Chargers bring in Khalil Mack. Um, the Raiders have, uh, they added uh, Chandler Jones. So there's pieces to both teams that have been added. Looking forward to seeing that matchup. You just said something that's been echoed quite a bit over the last several months about the FC West being the best quarterback division of all time. Yeah. To me, that sounds a lot like um, last year when we were talking about the no-fly zone 2.0. Calling something something before it is that. Or has been now. I know these quarterbacks have been good elsewhere, but right. just, in an argument could be made that Justin Herbert is a little overhyped. He hasn't really proven it. He's thrown for a lot of yards, but has he won anything? No. Has he made the playoffs? Nah. So if you had to pick one of those quarterbacks, one one of those not not to be the great guy, but to have a bad year. Ooh. One of those quarterbacks going to have a stinker year. <sighs> Who's it going to be? It's not going to be any of them. None of them are going to stink. They're all really no, good quarterbacks. One of them's going to stink. One of no. them's going to have a bad year. One of them is going to be the. The fourth quarterback of the four in a division. One of them is going to have a losing record. How about that? Ooh. Will they? Yep. They, this, this whole 10-win 10, 10 teams across the board, not falling into it. Uh-huh. I've fallen into it because, oh, you got Khalil Mack now in the division. You got J.C. Jackson now. And you got all these guys. No, dude. One of these teams is going to suck. One of these AFC West teams is not going to be good. Which is it? You want to put some money on this? Uh, what's the bet? You think they're all going to be 10 wins? Yeah, I'll bet I'll bet that. No, you said a losing record. I said a couple things. <laughs> Let's go with lose. Do you, do you think one of these teams will have a losing record? I do. Okay. I'll uh, uh, I'll bet a coffee on it. I'll give Coffey. you I'll give you the opportunity to go with two teams. You can pick two teams. Oh, no, I'm just record. saying one if, of them does. If, That's if, the bet. One if, of them does. If any one of those two teams that you pick has a losing record, then you would win the bet. So I'll give you two op- two Two swings at this. Okay, the Raiders or the Chargers, one of those teams is going to have a losing record. They're, one of those teams is going to be 8-9 and nine or worse. All right, what is the wager? Coffee, coffee, uh, coffee. We'll do lunch. No, we can, yeah, let's do lunch. We'll do lunch. Uh, just, I just want some, you know, some, some goat milk over cashy. That's, can you supply that for me? All right, and for me, uh, we're going for sushi. So, great. If you win, it's going to be far cheaper for me than it will be for you. No, no, no. We're sushi across the board. All right. So, sushi lunch on the Raiders or the Chargers having a losing record. That's right. One of the two. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. We shall see. This course, is, hey, is going to be great. Like Kubi, like Coach Kubiak said, you got that soundbite? I know you do. It's right on the tip of everyone's tongue. Like Coach Kubiak said. We're fixing to find out. We are. And after, and you know what else we're fixing to do? We're fixing to hear Stokely and Zach. Those guys are next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.